0: joined with other churches this morning across the country who are thinking about and praying for the situation that is taking place around the world. And it is a, a very poignant reminder of the persecuted church and the persecution that, that, uh, that we see in, in other parts of the world. Uh, it reminds me of, of, of even the elements that are before us here on the Lord's Table. Because Jesus Himself was persecuted, and He said that they persecuted Me; they'll persecute you as well. And He went to the to to the, the point where He gave His His life, where He suffered, He bled, and He died. And we know that many times as followers, we, we we also will find that there is opposition to us, and it could come at different levels. It can come in different different ways, as we see it overseas. There on these videos, it certainly has been a. Uh, uh, to the point of where, where one gives, uh, his or her life. For the sake of the gospel, at other times it, it could be mockery. It could be it could be uh, people opposing us, and uh, we we see that even in our own lives. You can probably look back to a time where where someone has uh, has ridiculed you or mocked you for your faith in Jesus Christ or come against you for your standards or your values that are based upon Scripture. That's the day in which we live, and it's a time and uh, for us to to uh, collectively as a church family consider that to look to the Lord for strength and for grace and for the uh, the, abil- the ability to, to to continue on. But we do so in light of knowing that we serve a Savior who Himself suffered we uh, this this morning continue continue in a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called connecting Sunday to Monday, uh, looking at the fact that so, sometimes we can live a disconnected life where our Sunday morning faith doesn't carry over into Monday morning into the work week or to the school week. And so we, we realize that we have not been called to live compartmentalized lives, but that with Jesus Christ being our Lord, he is the Lord over all of it and that that he can be served and he can be honored and glorified through every part of our life, not just in church, but also in the home, in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in the workplace, wherever we go, we take the gospel of Jesus Christ with us. And so we are uh, looking at the fact that we don't have to have that disconnect. In fact, we looked a couple of weeks ago to see that God himself is a worker, that he is an innovator in the sense that he created this world, this universe. And we see his handiwork on display as we look at the world. And we, we notice, secondly, that that he uh, has created us in, in his image, the Imago Dei—that we as humans were created uh, very uniquely with special responsibilities to care for His creation, but also given the opportunity to be innovators and to be uh, people who are productive and have special responsibility—and so, so flowing out of our of our design comes the the uh, the ability and the call to work, to, to live lives that are productive and that thrive. And so we've, we, we looked at that out of Genesis 1 and 2. Last week, we we continued that theme by seeing that all that we do, we do as unto the Lord. That He is the the one who receives our, our praise this morning as we sing. But we also realize that as we continue this week, He receives what we produce. He He receives the way that we live our daily lives. And we, we, we don't want there to be a disconnect. We don't want Him just to be glorified here. Through us, we also want Him to be glorified through us out there, uh, wherever it is that we will be going in this coming week. And so that's been the theme of connecting Sunday to Monday, just encouraging us to have a a a a, a perspective and a and a a thought that. That our faith carries on day by day in whatever arena of life that we that we find ourselves in, and I know that as we think about this idea of worship being a uh, that work is a form of worship in the sense that He receives all that that, uh, that that we that we are about that that can sometimes be be a challenge for us. We can you, know, you can probably think in your mind, well, Pastor, that sounds really good, but if you only knew what was facing me tomorrow, if you only knew the stresses in my job, if you only knew what I was going to have to put up with tomorrow in the classroom or in the home or wherever it is that. That the Lord takes you this week, you could say it, it's a challenge. And so I want to address that this morning. I want us to think about, about the challenges in life. And I've, I've, under the theme of work, I'm calling it workplace challenges. But as we've said each of these three weeks, we realize that the, that the application uh, flows wherever we have responsibility and opportunity. And so you can fill in the blank on where that is if, if you're not in the workforce that like, like we, would, uh, we would typically say. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you have retired. But yet these principles apply to all of us as believers because we don't want to have that disconnect between our faith and the rest of life. Look at these statistics that come from the National Institute of uh, Occupational Safety and Health. It, uh, it's, it's pretty staggering that, that most people... Not just a few, but many uh, find that the workplace gives them a great amount of stress. In fact, 40% of the workers who were surveyed reported their job was either very or extremely stressful. 25% of those surveyed view their jobs as the number one stressor in their lives. So think about that. In the American workforce, a fourth of the people that you you will interact with Either as a, as a customer or as a, as, a, as a co-worker and colleague, you will see that one out of four, they view their work as the number one stress in their life. 26% of those who were surveyed said that they were often or very burned out or stressed by their work. So again, you see that that as we as we interact with people, knowing that information, and maybe you this morning come and you say, I I resonate with those statistics, I feel that, I see that. It's 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 something that's true in my life as I as I think about my work week. You may connect with that. And you may wonder, well, how do we take the idea of 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 worship, uh, of, of work being a form of worship? How do we take the idea of, of doing everything unto the Lord when we have jobs that produce this kind of stress and this kind of challenge in our daily lives. That's what I want us to think about this morning. I don't know that we'll cover it from every possible angle, obviously, but hopefully we can address it in a manner from Scripture that will be an encouragement to you and will give all of us some, some, uh, some, uh, uh, some guidance and direction as we think about applying these principles. Throughout the series, we've looked at a number of different principles. I'm going to give you three uh, this morning. And the first one is this. The original design of work was corrupted By sin. We looked at Genesis 1 and 2 and saw where where work was given to man and woman before they fell into sin. So, work is not a result of the sin, but it has been impacted by the fall. By by the fall into sin. In fact, uh, if you want to turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll look at a couple of verses. Already uh, having looked at the context there of chapters 1 and 2 over the last couple of weeks, we see now that when sin enters the world, that work and our labor uh, dramatically changes from the design that God originally had in mind. Genesis 3, beginning in verse 17. The Lord says, And to Adam he said... So here we have the, the moments following the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And to think about that, this was the first time ever that sin had entered into the, into the human race. At that point, they had obeyed. At that point, they had trusted. They had followed. But there was, there was one thing that they had been commanded not to do, and they disobeyed. And so when that sin came in, it began to have uh, effects, damaging effects over everything. And God is explaining to them how that will affect even their work. And in fact, we see the effects of sin everywhere, all around us. And uh, Paul even writes of it in, in Romans chapter, chapter 8, seeing the, the idea that the, that the whole creation is groaning for redemption because of the damage and the effects that sin has had upon this world. And we see that. We see that in our daily lives. We see that even in our workplaces and in those responsibilities. And so, so as we follow through the, the, uh, the accounts in Genesis, this is an important one as we think how it applies to the challenges we see in the workplace. One of the books that I've been using to prepare for this series is called Work Matters by Tom Nelson. And he's, uh, he's a pastor and author. And uh, this is the way he explained what was taking place. At that point in Genesis 3, he said, work has become a heavy yoke that humans were not originally designed to bear. The vivid biblical imagery of the curse paints the dire picture of the far reaching and devastating consequences of rebellion against a good, just and holy God. So what we see here is the key word, I believe, comes in verse 17, cursed. There has been a curse. There has been an effect. And we see that even in our, in our lives today. If we, if, we, if we have disobedience against the Lord, if we have sin, there will be, there'll be an effect. There will be a consequence of that decision. Well, this is where it initially happened. And it affected everything. And so work became harder. It became toilsome. It became a burden. It became more difficult uh, for, for, uh, for crops to be produced and for, for daily life to take place. And so we see this all happening in Genesis 3. And we learn that we are a broken people who live in a broken world. And so as we go into the world, we, we have in mind that this, this is, a, this is a, an, an earth that is being affected by sin. All of us. We've all fallen short. We all uh, have fallen short of God's glory. We've all sinned. And we interact with others who have as well. And our, 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 our systems, our processes, everything that we, that we are a part of has been affected by the fall. So it helps us to have an understanding of how God initially designed work. It helps us to see that that our work can be something that we give to the Lord as a form of worship. Whether we're, whether we're singing and praying or whether we're serving and, and working, that it's all done for His glory. These things help us with a perspective to put our eyes above the way that, that work is typically viewed by this world. However, we also have to be real honest and say... Work is difficult, and we have challenges too, even as believers. There are things in the workplace that cause stress and anxiety. How do we deal with that? How do we approach those those seasons? And the first one, I think, is to realize that, that, uh, that, we, that we are dealing with a system in a, in a world that has been marred by sin. That leads us to the second principle, and that is that our jobs today are impacted by many difficulties. It's the result of principle one. We see it. We see it in our in our in our in our daily work, in our daily lives, that uh, that, that God's design uh, of work has been corrupted, and that our work is, is is very difficult. And you can you can you can fill in the blank on what difficulties you have in your everyday life. Again, whether you're a student or whether you have responsibilities in the home or outside the home, we all have responsibilities. Uh, in the workplace as well, there may be maybe things that that, that, that are uh, tremendously difficult. Sometimes it's the people, right? Not us, right? But the people that we work with, right? Or the people that we serve. Uh, maybe it's customers, or maybe it's colleagues, or maybe it's a boss. Difficult people can can make a job very difficult. Sometimes it's unclear expectations that have not that 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 have, that have not been given uh, to the role that we're to to perform. Sometimes it's a lack of appreciation. Or maybe it's unrealistic deadlines. Sometimes you may be in an industry where the workforce has been reduced and there's, there's greater uh, need for you to produce or for your colleagues. And so you, f- you feel the, the strain of trying to get so much done and with, uh, with, with less resources. Sometimes it's, it's, it's conflict and competition right there in the, in, the, in the workplace as well that leads to anxiety. You can fill in the blank of what it is. It could be economic. It could be the expectations. There's a lot of things that can weigh heavy on one's heart when it comes to work. But, 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 but we, we'd all agree that there are definitely challenges that, uh, that we face. And part of that is as a result of what we see coming out of Genesis chapter 3. Sometimes we do jobs that are less than desirable. Uh, what was it we talked about last week? The guy that, uh, that, uh, that had the job of cleaning the porta-potties. Do you remember that? Uh, no one caught me after the service asking where they could sign up for that job. So uh, so I realize that may not be the most desirable job, right? Uh, maybe you've had some jobs. Maybe you're currently in a job that's not as desirable. Uh, I've had different ones during the years, uh, over the years. I remember some of my first jobs were, were, on, uh, were on a f- uh, farm in, in uh, eastern Kentucky. After that, I got into college, and I, I, I ended up getting an indoor job. But it happened to be at a fast food restaurant. Had all kinds of uh, responsibilities, being the low man on the totem pole there in a, in a McDonald's restaurant, and uh, had... had uh, customers to try to service and and uh, and uh, supervisors that had expectations and i remember one day we had a challenge that we didn't see coming we were uh, we were working on the on the drive and we had a wireless communication obviously between the people that were making the orders and uh, someone pulled in and then somebody else's voice came over the uh, the system and welcomed that customer to mcdonald's and we're all looking around like where did that come from and the person didn't know the difference, placed the order and ordered, a, I don't know, a Big Mac and order fries. And then all of a sudden that voice came back in again and said, OK, we got your order. You want 15 Big Macs and, and 15 large orders of fries. And, and we're all looking around like, where's this voice coming from? Well, come to find out these, these guys back in the lumber yard that were on the other side of the parking lot, they had, they had, they'd they gotten our frequency and they'd been listening in and they decided they'd pushed their button and there was stronger equipment. So they were talking to the customers and they, they, they were creating all kinds of difficulty when someone would pull right around and look at us and think that we were the ones that just had this conversation with them and and, and you should have seen the look on their face when we said, oh no, that wasn't us talking to you. And the people in the car looking at it like, right, that wasn't you talking. So uh, you may have had a job like that, where it was not what you would have dreamed of. It wasn't the most desirable job, but it was a job. And you wanted to, you wanted to, uh, to be thankful for the opportunity to work. Maybe, maybe as you look at this week, there is difficulty that's facing you. And maybe you wonder where the significance is. I want us to, to think about some words that Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you want to look at Ecclesiastes two, we'll look at, at some verses in chapters two and three. Uh, Solomon was struggling with the significance of his work. He was, he, was, he was feeling the effects of, of, the, of the toil that was, that was taking place in his daily life. And he had some questions about, about the value of it. We see that in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, we're going to see that he also sees the value of work. So he's, he's conflicted in a, in, a, in a similar way that we might be conflicted about our jobs. So let's listen to what he has to say. Ecclesiastes 2, verse 17. He says this, So I hated life. Because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. Do you hear what he's saying? He's really questioning the value of all this hard work, this labor of uh, of his life. Verse 22. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun. He asked the question, what has the man? Verse 23, For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation or a displeasure. Even in the night his heart does not rest. Those words sound like they could have been written today. This idea that that even at night the heart had no peace, could not rest. Do you relate to that? That phrase really jumped out at me. The end of verse 22 there. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. Clearly, Solomon is disillusioned with work. He's struggling to see the significance of all the labor. He's staying up even at night, having trouble resting because of his anxious thoughts about his work. Can you relate to Solomon? Solomon? Can you relate to the statistics we looked at earlier? Do you find yourself in one of those categories at times? Well, as I said, Solomon was conflicted because he also could see a brighter side. Let's look over at chapter 3. In verse 12, he says, I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. A little different tone here. He's, He's connecting joy and doing good. Then verse 13, also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. So what do we take away from this? I, I, I think we just see the perspective that, that Solomon recognizes that there are struggles, there are challenges, there are questions, but that there are opportunities and that there's a there's a, a call there to do good and to to have pleasure even in the toil. I, I believe it just it just shows us that the Genesis one, two and three are right there. That we have the gift, we have the gift of work, we have the idea of of, of serving and worshiping uh, through work, but that we also see that the curse affects our work, that the curse affects our daily lives, that that curse of sin affects relationships, it affects obligations and responsibilities. And so on this earth, we're going to continue to have that challenge. But that's the beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ has done, because he has come to redeem And He has come to redeem every part of life. And there can be those seasons where we see, even in the workplace, He is bringing about clarity. Even in the workplace, He's showing us opportunity. He's allowing us to have a perspective that's very different than what the world has. And there can be steps of victory in that. Doesn't mean it's perfect. Doesn't mean that we've seen the completion of our redemption. But we can have an understanding that is helpful. The difficulties of our work come in many forms. Here's one that, that is one that, that's, uh, that's really risen in the last generation. Listen to what author Jeff Van Duser says. He wrote a book called Why Business Matters to God. And listen to what he says, see if you relate. With the confluence of global competition and enhanced technology, work in our culture is increasingly a 24 7 phenomenon. We are wired and connected. We are always on. We are working longer hours at a faster pace. Since the end of World War II, the average American has added almost an additional month of work. He claims an extra 150 or 160 hours per year to to his or her work year. Can you relate to that? Are you ever really able to get away? Those, those phones, those smartphones, right, right there, you hear it buzz. You know that someone just sent you a text. You get the, you get the, you get the notification, you've got a new, new uh, uh, message in the inbox. You get called. You have voicemail. It just seems like it's very hard to get away from that work, doesn't it? And that just creates uh, a, 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 a greater uh, uh, difficulty for us in trying to handle and process all that's taking place. In fact, there was even a word that was coined in this last generation to describe the person who is addicted to work. I'm sure. Have you heard that word? Do you know what it is? A workaholic. That's right. It's just more and more. Just this appetite to, to work more and to work more and to do more and perform better. That this is part of the culture that we, that we live in. That we have to, to, to be able to face and to handle as believers. We don't want work to become an idol. We say that we want to, to see that, that work allows us to, that we can, we can worship through our work, but we don't want to worship our work, right? We have to keep things uh, in perspective. Maybe today you come and you feel deeply disillusioned about your work. Maybe it, 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 it causes great anxiety and stress, or maybe you're in a season of, of transition. Maybe there's a, a, a time where you've experienced layoffs or unemployment. Maybe even right now you're working through uh, some, some very, very uh, difficult circumstances. And I, I, I want to, 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 to share a word of encouragement with you. That you would know that your work matters to God. That your life matters to God. That your existence He cares about. This is the same Lord who claims that He knows the numbers of hair on our head. He knows what we're going through. He knows where we are. And we, we, we don't have to live an isolated experience in the job or even in the job transitions away from Him. That's at the very moment that we need Him the most. And to know that He cares and that He will come alongside and assist and comfort and guide and provide for us. So there is good news for us that we can have a sense of hope that the Lord is with us. Another point that I want to make is that workplace challenges, they can provide opportunities for growth in Christ. Um, we may not always see it that way, but but if we look back in our spiritual lives, we, we can probably see that the times that we grew the most, that we had greater spiritual maturity, or we learned more about, about Christ and, and Him at work in us, was probably in a season that was difficult. It was probably a hard time. And in fact, it might have even been a difficult time at work in which we were growing and we were being molded and shaped and transformed into the image of our Savior. So sometimes we have to remember that those that those challenges are opportunities for growth. Now, I had a guy catch me after the first service, and he said, I hear what you're saying, Pastor, and I want you to know I've had an awful lot of opportunities over the years. And, uh, and you may, you may be able to resonate with that and say, yeah, it's daily for me. I have another opportunity to try to grow in Christ. But that's the difference that we can bring is a perspective and an attitude to these challenges. There may be discontent. There may be times where God does allow us to leave one job and go to another. That certainly is, it happens. But we don't want our identity or our worth to be defined by our job. We don't want our identity or our worth to be defined by the responsibilities that we have in life. Our identity and worth comes and flows right out of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our identity. He is the one that is at the forefront of of who we are. And as a Christian, that is is where our identity begins. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul is writing to Timothy. And he, he, he talks about the idea of contentment. And I think... How often do we as believers need to to rest with the, with the with the understanding of contentment? That's not modeled for us in this world. I don't know if the world as a, as, a, as a people if, 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 if they are ever content, there's always a desire for more, always a desire for for something better or faster. there's always this insatiable appetite And yet Paul says in, in uh, 1 Timothy 6 verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Would you agree with that? To have that kind of contentment. That, that, because otherwise we're controlled by that, by that appetite. We're controlled by that desire. But to be able to couple the godliness with contentment being great gain. And so I think even in a, in a difficult job. Because I, th- I think if we were to be real honest, there is no perfect job. Every job is going to have... Issues and challenges. Every job is going to provide opportunities, right, for for, uh, spiritual growth. But I think if we're honest, there's there's nothing that's perfect. And so there are seasons where we just have to to, to realize that our contentment needs to come out of Christ. Our identity needs to come out of who we are in Christ. And to not allow the world to define us by what we do. Tom Nelson, the author of Work Matters, who I quoted earlier, said it this way. He said, consider your workplace challenges, not as obstacles in your life, but as opportunities to grow in greater Christlikeness." Now, I know those those words may be simple to read. it's a, it's a different story to try to put them into to practice. But I think that they're helpful as we go through seasons, particularly as we're able to look back and see how God worked, how he shaped us and refined us, even in a season of difficulty. A few ideas that I want to close with, and then we're gonna we're gonna move into uh, the time of receiving the Lord's Supper together. There's a book called Monday Morning Atheist by Doug Spada. Do you like that title, Monday Morning Atheist? You know what he's trying to say—that uh, you know we can be worshipers and followers of God on Sunday, but do we do we we keep that with us when we go into uh, to Monday? He has some some uh, some very specific uh, uh, ways to apply these thoughts that I wanted to share with you that might help a perspective be formed in our minds as we look at challenges in the workplace here's here's a here's a small list of, of what he said in fact in his book he said pick 2 of these but i think they're i think they're very valuable he said one look at your coworkers or your customers and pick 3 of them that you can pray for each day pray for them by name look for ways that you can be a blessing to them secondly he says begin your day with god and I think that's so crucial that even before we leave the house or before we walk into the, 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 the office or the place of employment, that we would spend some time with the Lord, asking him to prepare us for the day, to, 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 to strengthen us, to give us wisdom, to help us to, 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 to be his representative to this place today and to, 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 to really grow in our daily walk. Third one is to commit to a higher standard. Now, this is something we talked about last week. That we we look at the the work that we've been given and to do it with excellence. To to be known for being a hard worker and one who does the jobs with excellence. Fourth, he said to cut out complaints. Now, could that one apply to your workplace? How how do do complaints sometimes happen? You know, one person begins to grumble a little bit and it gets very... uh, uh, It's almost like it's it's contagious, right? And so he says, make it a priority. Say, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to grumble. I'm not going to be bitter. And so that mindset helps us even as we go into uh, to a time that's hard. And it also sets an example for others. He says to cultivate gratitude. I think he means just to find something that we can give thanks for. Maybe even the fact that we have a job and have that opportunity. And then uh, the final one that he says is be slow to anger. Now, could anybody put that one into practice in their workplace? Be slow to anger. Uh, that, that's a good good word for us, to, to, to maintain the, the fruit of the Spirit and to, to, to not, be, uh, not be quick uh, to anger. So hopefully those will be some ideas that will, that will assist. I know that we haven't covered all of them. But the, 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 the focus this morning was I wanted us as a church to recognize, yes, there are stresses in the job that are real. There are challenges that we face every day. And so we don't, we don't come with just a pie-in-the-sky notion that we're just going to take all this and just, just uh, very easily apply and, 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 and take our faith into our everyday uh, work and responsibilities. It is difficult, but it is worth it. And I think we'll see next week, Lord willing, that God gives us great opportunities when we take this mindset and this perspective into our everyday life. Well, this time I want us to turn our attention to the Lord's table. We're going to take time this morning to receive the bread and the cup. And as we've talked about the effects of sin ravaging the earth and the the, the workplace and in our responsibilities, I think we can also take a moment to say, thank God that Jesus Christ also entered this earth and that it was because of sin and its penalty that he went to the cross and he died. So this morning we're going to be receiving the bread, which represents his body. And the, the, the body that was bruised and broken and nailed to a cross. We're going to take a cup of juice that, that symbolizes his blood that was poured out. Because in Hebrews chapter 9, we're told that without the remission of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so, so Jesus fulfilled the, the Old Testament uh, practice of, 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 of one dying for sin. Oftentimes it was an animal such as a lamb. Well, Jesus did this. And the book of Hebrews says, once for all. Jesus Christ died. And so we come to this table and, and we're told in 1 Corinthians 11 that we should come and that we should come and, that, that we should come and take this, this, these elements in a worthy manner. And it, it doesn't tell us that we have to be worthy because who of us are worthy to take it? But our manner must be worthy, meaning that we need to really consider the sacrifice that is being demonstrated before us. Yes, it's bread, it's, it's juice, but they are, they are very dear symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to participate. I invite you to take time to prepare your hearts. If there's any unconfessed sin, if there's any thoughts uh, this morning that you need to bring before the Lord, you'll have opportunity as the... Elements are being distributed. Now, you'll receive uh, uh, both elements together. There'll be a cup with the bread, and right on uh, top of that will be the cup with the juice. And so you'll receive all of it at one time. You do not have to be a church member uh, to participate, but we do ask that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have professed that that He is your Savior, because that's what gives meaning to, uh, uh, to this, uh, to this uh, uh, observance that we'll be partaking in. So uh, as the deacons come forward to prepare uh, serving the meal, uh, the supper, why don't we take a moment uh, to bow and to reflect and to give uh, thanks to God for what these symbols represent and to ask him to, to uniquely bless this special time of worship today. So would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the opportunity that we have had to worship you today. We thank you that we can come now and remember your life, your holy life, That was lived for us. That we remember your suffering. Even your death. And so as we receive the, the Lord's Supper today. We pray that you will bless these elements. That they will be reminders to us of your faithfulness. And your provision. May they be an encouragement to our faith. As we remember that you loved your church enough. That you would lay down your life. And we thank you that it is through your life and death and resurrection that we have hope. That we have forgiveness. And that we can look forward to an eternity with you. So as a church family now, we thank you for the reminder of your love for us as we take these elements. But we also pray that as we receive these, as a church family that they be a reminder of the support and the love that we have one for another. And so may you bless us as a church, as a people, while we reflect upon the greatest gift that was given. May we be able to come before you now, confessing any unconfessed sin, and coming with a seriousness of mind and heart as we partake of these elements. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and all of God's people said, Amen.